We are going through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and tonight we're in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, it's a monster in more ways than one. Oh my. I hope you you just put your seatbelts on because you buckle up because... Uh, is this an interesting chapter? And so we better pray. With that kind of introduction, we better pray, right? Father, we thank you, Lord, for these prophetic chapters. Lord, they're such a blessing, as we talked about this morning. They, not that you had to do it, Lord, but you have just validated the Word of God, the Bible, with these chapters in, in Daniel, Lord, with prophetic utterances that seem, Lord, incontrovertible, just clearly established and fulfilled, and, and we've seen them un, unfold before our eyes, and we're just so blessed, Lord, and just pray in Jesus' name that you'd help me, Lord, uh, get through this chapter and communicate it in a way that you wanted to communicate it to every single man and woman in this room. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. The first six chapters of Daniel. They're are, is what's called the historical narrative in those chapters, meaning there's, there are also prophetic passages in those chapters, but there's history that is being chronicled in those chapters, historical events, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being taken, and Daniel being taken to Babylon. There's the event of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. There's uh, Daniel being put in Darius's lion's den. From 7 to the rest, chapter 7, the rest of Daniel, it's just pure visions, man. It's just all prophecy. And, uh, and so it gets, um, it gets deep. And, uh, you know, as you're going through some of these things, can't be dogmatic, meaning you can't say, this is the interpretation, and if you don't believe it, you just got to get out of here, man. You don't want to do that. Not with these chapters. You know, it, 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 is, it is interesting that um, these chapters, because we, you know, speaking of asking the Lord why, we talking about that this morning. Why would you have these things, Lord, which are not clear? Uh, some of these, these prophecies. And uh, I, I, I don't have an entirely good answer to that other than when I get deep into them, I just really feel touched by the Lord. I really, really do. And uh, for whatever reason, um, he's decided to use sort of metaphorical uh, visions and this type of thing uh, in certain chapters. Now, Daniel chapter 9, which we discussed this morning, that's to me concrete. I like it. 
details, numbers. Just give it to me like that. Not going to be the case this, uh, this evening. Verse 1 says, in the first year of Belshazzar. So we're back. Remember in chapter 5, we met Belshazzar. He was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. We're back in that time period. In the first year of Belshazzar, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Ever wish you wrote down your dreams more often? Ever write down your dreams? Any of you write, write down your dreams? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good thing, especially if you're Daniel the prophet. Telling the main facts, verse 2, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night. We'll see this phrase I saw eight times in this chapter. And behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And so this particular vision, I don't know if you remember, but Belshazzar, a number of years had gone by since Nebuchadnezzar's death. Daniel's living in obscurity. Something like 10, 15 years gone by. He's living in obscurity. He's over 80 years old now. And uh, he, I am convinced, is perfectly content with that. Uh, But the Lord begins to speak to him. You know, there will be seasons of your life where you feel like, What's really going on now? What am I really accomplishing? You know, be careful before you just run away from seasons like that because it could be that the Lord really wants to use you. I'm sure when Paul, when he was in prison, was like, wait a second, I could be out on my fourth missionary trip. What am I doing here in prison? But he didn't get in prison. We wouldn't have a number of letters in the New Testament. Well, here he's going to be used in a powerful way through these night visions. So while Belshazzar is partying and living the life up, there's someone in his palace who's hearing from the Lord. Behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Now we're we're gonna learn that this is not necessarily the ocean, it's, it's more like the sea of humanity. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first one was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. And after this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, 
exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And I don't know if this is the first time you've been to a Sunday evening service. We're just going chapter and chapter through the Bible. We just happen to be in this chapter, okay? I mean, when I told you this was a monster, uh, I wasn't kidding. It is a monster. Uh, throughout here, you see that you know, Daniel, the backbone, really, of prophecy in the Bible. And you constantly in the book of Revelation, you will see references or parallels to the book of Daniel. But what are we supposed to make of this? What are we supposed to make of these four beasts that come out of the great sea here? Well, there are two main theories, and I will tell you which one that I favor for what that's worth. You know, that and three bucks will buy you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, but um, there are really two main theories about this particular, uh, this particular vision here. And we'll get to verse 8, but let's, let's start with this. One is that it really is a parallel to chapter 2. Remember the image in chapter 2. In chapter 2, you had the great image, and it was just one image. You had a golden head. You had a chest of silver. You had sort of a waist of bronze. You had the feet of iron and the toes of iron and clay. There is many Bible commentators just believe that this is a more or less a parallel chapter and it's just the same, for, it's a description of those four kingdoms in chapter two. So do we have the image, boy, did these poor guys on the projection, I sent a whole bunch of stuff to them tonight. Do we have the image of the parallel uh, one, so it's the image where you have the chapter two image, and but alongside of it, it's the chapter seven description. Wow, look at this. You see these images? They're just awful. But um, the chapter two image, remember, th there's one other one with uh, wording on it. Well, maybe we'll go back and forth. Yeah, here we go. Here's another one. Where's my... Uh, so in chapter 2, remember the head of gold was Babylon. The, it, it, Babylon was after Babylon. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a, a freaky dream, and he, he asked the, his, his court, you know, what does this mean? And Daniel comes and tells him not only the interpretation, but he told him the dream that he had. And Daniel had said, well, the gold is you, it's Nebuchadnezzar, it's, it's your kingdom, it's the head of gold, and, but after you, the Medes and Persians are going to come, that's the chest of silver. Uh, it's a little hazy, this image, but um, uh, 
And then um, after that is the bronze that's um, the Greeks, Alexander the Great's going to come in. And after that's the uh, iron uh, legs that, that come in. Babylon, Persia, Greece. So a number of Bible commentators, really, really good ones, think that more or less Daniel 7 is an amplification of Daniel chapter 2. So just another way of looking at it. The lion um, is parallel to the gold head. The bear, the, the, the beast of the bear, is the Medes and Persians, which will come at a later time. The leopard uh, with four heads and wings um, is representing uh, Greece. And then finally, the beast with brass claws and iron teeth. It's, it's the Romans that, in other words, it's chronologically successive empires. Remember, chapter 2 is this just sweeping view of history for 2,500 years, and, and that's where it was. Let, let, let's see the one you put up before, Sean. Oh, man. I know there's people in here that can do a much better job at this stuff, but uh, until then, this is what I'm stuck with. So here are these creatures. <laughs> um, show them a couple of those other ones. Here you go. You see? Doesn't this look, what are those Marvel cartoons or whatever you call them that kind of looks like them? Do we have another one? Do we have another one, Sean? Or? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's later on. But anyway, uh, you, you, you get the point there. Um, the, some of the strength to this argument uh, that it's, more or less a parallel to chapter 2 is the first kingdom was like a lion and that is there's a number of references to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians as being as being a lion or a lion representing them and for example in Jeremiah Jeremiah Chapter 4, verse 7. The lion has come up from the thicker, the dis- thicket, the destroyer of nations. And so, hmm, okay. Another one is Jeremiah 49, verse 22. Behold, he, is, he shall come up and fly like an eagle. So, again, it's the lion with eagle's wings. In Jeremiah 50, verse 17, Israel is like a scattered sheep. The lions, meaning the Babylonians, have driven them away. And so in addition to that, there on the, in ancient Babylon, the, ar- the, uh, the archaeologists have dug up these images that the Babylonians would put on their temples and gates, and it's of a creature with, it's a winged creature. Now, some people say, hmm, that looks like a lion, but others dispute that. But anyway, some of the strength of that argument. Verse 5, a bear. And this particular bear, verse 5, said it's raised up on its one side, and that and, and that is just signifying that the, remember it was the Medes and the Persians 
who defeated the Babylonians, and that was uh, Darius and Cyrus, and raised up on one side, well, that could mean the Persians were actually much more powerful than the Medes. Okay, it is pretty amazing. Xerxes reportedly filled an army of 2.5 million men. Verse 6, the leopard being a parallel to the Greeks. Now, if one thing is for sure, the leopard is swift and so is Alexander the Great. In fact, it is believed that he, what he did um, taking over, he went all the way to India, died when he was 33, breathtaking speed, the way that he conquered Alexander the Great. His famous infantry uh, formation called the Phalanx, uh, was like a rectangular-shaped infantry squadron that was sort of in the center of his troops. And their whole thing was they were swifter and larger... Uh, swifter, they were smaller, but they were much quicker than the larger Persian armies, and that's why they defeated the Persians. Enormous speed. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar tried to take over Tyre, 13 years tried to invade Tyre, couldn't do it. Alexander did it in a number of months. He, he was, he was, there was a reason they called him Alexander the Great. And then the, uh, the, uh, the fourth beast, the, the iron, uh, this, it had huge uh, iron teeth uh, just representing the, the Romans. So that's, that is one interpretation of it. I think that there, I don't favor that interpretation. I think that there are significant problems. And I think uh, the biggest problem is that it really appears that all these beasts, they appear to be kingdoms that are existing at the same time time. And why do I say that? Well, verse 7 takes a little grammar study or a word study. At the end of verse 7 there, it says this fourth beast that was dreadful and terrible, it says it was different from all the beasts that were before it. Now, when you first read that, you would think, you would think oh, these other kingdoms were chronologically before it, but in the Aramaic, there appears to be, from what I've read, no dispute. That's not what it means. It's not talking about before, like chronologically, it's talking about in front of. In fact, before it is used numerous times throughout the book of Daniel, and every single time, it doesn't mean chronologically. It means in front of. For example... In verse 8, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out, meaning it was in front of or beside. Verse 10 says, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered to him. Um, Actually, in the, it, it, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, meaning they were in front of him. And every time before is used in the book of Daniel, it always means in front of. So 
there is another school of commentators which believe that these are all kingdoms that exist simultaneously in the last days during the time of the Antichrist. Verse A says, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by its roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouse speaking pompous words. Now we'll read the interpretation later on in the chapter. This is speaking of the Antichrist. So if it's four kingdoms that all exist at the time of the Antichrist, the, the thinking is that this fourth kingdom in verse 7 is really the most dominant kingdom in the world. It's going to be the kingdom out of which the Antichrist comes. Which brings you to a question. Well, if it's four kingdoms living contemporaneously, who are those other kingdoms? Well... Have you ever heard of the United States being in biblical prophecy? Has anyone ever heard that? Someone? Yeah? <laughs> this is the chapter. This is the chapter. And when I first heard that, I'm like, yeah, right. But I tell you, as you get into it, it really does make you wonder, I got to say. Because if you look at uh, number four... Uh, now, as we let me back up a little. As we talked about when we were in chapter two, the iron legs and then the the feet of iron and clay, uh, a reference to Rome, the legs of iron and the iron and clay, are a reference to the Holy Roman Empire and its progeny, meaning what's left over from it. The European Union, maybe clearly more, way more fragile, but yet the, generally the same area, and we, we, I bought, took you through a, what may have been to you a very boring history lesson, but also showed you the maps, a remarkable similarity between some of the Roman Empire and the, even the modern-day European Union. Well, um, so, you, you know, the, the idea is that the Antichrist will be coming out of that power or a power like it and that there's four other, three other powers but they're lesser powers which exist contemporaneously. Well, look at, look at verse four. Here's the first one. Now, now again, what's, what's clear from verse seven that the, the, the kingdom number four representing the kingdom out of which the Antichrist come is by far the most powerful in the world at the time, which is a little confused, which we'll explain a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more of that later. But number four, it says, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. Well, could this be Great Britain? Now you can put up the insignia. When you think of Great Britain, what do you think of as the insignia? You think of the lion. There's a lion on top. These are the royal coat of arms uh, for Great Britain. The interesting thing about verse 4, it says, 
the lion had eagle's wings, but I watched till its wings were plucked off. And as you know, the, uh, the British Empire used to be the empire. The sun never set on it. But slowly by slowly, the, the wings have been plucked off, the biggest of which is what? The United States, right? The United States. And... It, it, and the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And of course, what's our insignia? Right there. Now, you, are you looking at me like I have a, I'm a four-headed beast? Um, you know, uh, m- maybe you are. Uh, it's great to get into this stuff. Uh, but it could very well be that uh, that's what it is. Interestingly, you know, the British never joined the, they're part of the uni- European Communion, but not their currency. And so could it mean uh, that really what this is referring to is Great Britain, United States, Canada, Australia? Verse five, and suddenly, and this is where it becomes a lot more persuasive here is verse 5 that these four kingdoms are contemporaneous kingdoms and suddenly another beast a second like a bear now who might that be cover of time magazine a number of years ago big bear going across the globe Russia a big bear it says there it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. Now I've heard that the amount of Christian martyrs, you read Tortured for Christ in books like like it, that were martyred specifically for their Christian faith during the time of the, the Soviet rule was more than all other Christian martyrs in all of history. And obviously... You know, Russia is not is just staying in the headlines and, and sort of in world events and in, in in a in a big, very provocative way. Verse three. After this, I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Who could this be? Well, some people think this is Islam. It is true that in the 6 and 7 and 800s, but that's a long, long time ago, the, it was amazing the speed at which the Islamic armies took over northern Africa. But just that was so long ago. And uh, it's, it's a little hard. It, 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 it's, it, it's hard to believe that that's... It, it could be sort of the Islam world, maybe it is. Um, others think that a more likely possibility is just a consortium of nations from the east, from the east, uh, China, Japan, Korea, the, uh, the, the, this type of thing. And uh, so, you know, we're again, um, we are not sure. And so the thinking is, verse 7 says, after this I saw in the night vision and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge teeth, huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with his feet. That's not referring to the other empires. 
So there, there's no, it, 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 the thinking is that this fourth empire would be dominant on the world stage, but you still have these other four powers. Now you may ask, well, now why wouldn't the United States be that fourth one? And there's, after all, the United States military has, at least by many accounts, the most powerful military in the history of the world, by far. You know, Xerxes put 2.5 million people together. Do you know how long it would have taken for the United States with all their technology to destroy that army? Um, and so there's many theories about um, why the, the fur, verse four, the lion and the eagle, you know, why wouldn't they be the greatest? And one theory is the rapture. There's just so many Christians in the United States that the, the rapture will have taken place by the time uh, it will have taken place and it will greatly cripple uh, the country. And others just, you know, economic calamity. It's, you know, it's unclear why. It's all this talk about instead of the dollar being the world currency that is used in trade, there's all these articles you can read about nations are threatening to switch to the euro, which would just create an enormous economic demise uh, in the United States. You know, I, I don't know. You know, again, uh, again, uh, these are things we, we look into and, and it's, it's, the best thing that I can describe as we dig into this, I'm left not necessarily with any dogmatic opinion, but I'd have, I, I just, wow, I've been touched by the Lord, touched by a mystery that, that's, that's, that's profound. It says in this last one, it was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had 10 horns. Now, we will, um, Let's just go on. It says, I was considering the horns and, and there was another horn, a little one coming up from among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots and there uh, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. And so there's really this, the, uh, you know, the, the scripture teaches that the Antichrist will be possessed by a demon basically owned by the devil and a mouse speaking pompous words. So uh, this is a description of the world just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. And again, in Revelation, you have all kinds of corresponding verses in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, another sign appeared in heaven. This is John speaking. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then I stood in the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And then in chapter uh, 17... So he carried me away in the wilderness in the spirit, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was of, of full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, again, these ten horns represent within this kingdom, there's going to be sort of ten powers or ten countries or ten nations uh, within it. 
And it says here uh, in, in verse 10, it says, a little horn coming up from among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out of the roots. Uh, three, apparently three of these nations rebel against the Antichrist and they have to be uh, put down uh, in the time right before uh, Jesus' returns. So, crazy enough for you? Let's go on. Verse 9. This is just wonderful here. And I watched till thrones were put in place. That's another indication, by the way, that these four kingdoms were contemporaneous. Thrones, plural there, were put in place. And it says the ancient of days was seated. Ah. So that, I'm sorry, that was incorrect. The thrones here is, is not referring to the, the thrones of the, these kingdoms described in the first eight verses. It's thrones that were put, put in place after, immediately upon the return of, of Jesus Christ. It says, I watched till the thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And so this clearly a reference to the return of Jesus Christ. He's going to defeat the Antichrist and his kingdom and all other world powers opposing him. And Again, in, in Revelation, Jesus uh, is described uh, like the ancient of days in Revelation chapter 1 where John sees Jesus. His, hair, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. And so the picture here is of judgment. The picture here is of judgment. Now, um, hmm. In verse nine, that first verse, I'm going to I'm going to correct what I already corrected. So, in the King James, actually, has a different translation. It says, "I watched till the thrones." were put in place. The King James Version actually says were cast down, which would indicate that thrones, plural, did refer to the, the four contemporaneous kingdoms that were cast down. The New King James Version, another translation, it appears that these are thrones that were put in place where the Ancient of Days would be seated. For the purpose of what? Court, signifying what? Judgment. And of verse 10, speaking of the court was seated, 
the books were opened. We've got to understand that our lives and our thought life, everything is naked before the Lord. Everything is. Good and bad. Even our, even our sufferings of Psalm 56, thou, uh, you know, it says, all my wanderings are written about in your book. God knows about our sufferings. But in the Revelation, book of Revelation, of course, it says the book, it refers to the book of life. Jesus, when the, in Luke 10, verse 20, when the disciples come back for casting out, they're rejoicing because they're casting out demons. He says, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your name is written in the book, in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16. Remember that? There's a book of remembrance of all the good deeds, of all the good things uh, that people uh, have done, uh, that, that his children have done. And of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, we many times uh, quoted the reference to the judgment seat, the bema seat that is going to uh, the, the seed of rewards that is going to take place upon Jesus' return. Uh, and, and just the, there's going to be judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and each one, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So uh, it's, it's the picture of judgment. The court was seated and the books were opened. Verse 11, and I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, as the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence and it says and it says by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and these two were cast alive in the lake of fire uh, burning with with brimstone so the picture of judgment the picture of the defeat of of the antichrist and as for the rest of the beasts, verse 12, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged. So that's a strange one, isn't it? If you figure out what that verse is talking about, you just come tell me after the service and, 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 and tell me. It almost appears that... So the, the first be, beast, the, uh, rather, the, the, the fourth beast is judged, thrown into the lake of fire. The other three beasts... And again, this indicates that, that they were contemporaneous, right? The other th three beasts, their, their dominion is taken away. Why? Because Jesus at this point, this is a millennial reign. He has all the dominion at this point. It says, though, their lives were prolonged. And so apparently something, the lives of the people in those kingdoms may be the saints of God, you know, who survive uh, the, the tribulation continue uh, into uh, the millennial reign. Okay, but we got to continue. Verse 13, and I was watching in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man. 
coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Anyone know what that says? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. That's right. Oh, good. Son of man has come to seek and save what to lost. Jesus referring to himself as the son of man. If you ever wonder what Jesus Christ understood, who he understood himself to be, do a study of the phrase son of man in the New Testament and just actually just read through them. It's really incredibly powerful. No question that Jesus thought he was the Messiah because you will hear from time to time critics of the Bible, you know, Jesus just thought he was, you know, he, uh, he, he, just, he was a homeboy, man, just wanted to hang out, do good deeds, and teach people about a good ethical life. No. He was no homeboy. He was the Messiah and understood himself to be. 30 times in the book of Matthew, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, and he's referring to this very verse in the book of Daniel. 80 times throughout the gospel, Jesus referred to as the Son of Man. Now remember, in Matthew 26, verse 63 and 64, the high priests are grilling Jesus on the night he was arrested. And they said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Man, I love, this is the movie, The Passion. It's the best scene in the whole movie, in my opinion. And he, what does he say? His response is, it is as you said, nevertheless I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Ah, praise the Lord. Direct reference to this verse right here, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. And that's why it says that the, chief, the priests just ripped off their clothes and they went bananas. This guy thinks he's the Messiah. This is crazy. That's why they responded that way. Now, if you're reading this very carefully, I hope you're asking a question. I hope you're saying, now, what's up with this? It says, behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days. But I thought you said Jesus is the Ancient of Days. What, is it? what does that mean? Did anyone think that? Well, they were reading. Come on, raise your hands. You got, there's got to, so as we read, as we read carefully, these are things that, you know, we had a wonderful men's breakfast a couple Saturdays ago. Pastor Ben Feldot from Cape Cod, and he just said, look, when, when there's questions, and just go right to the Lord. You know, after all, John the Baptist, he didn't mess around. 
He didn't even, you know, he sent his two disciples. They didn't even say hello. They said, are you the Messiah or, or should we wait for another? Say, okay, God, what's up with here? It says the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days. I thought the Son of Man was the Ancient of Days. What's with that? Well, one possible explanation is um, just in, in, in John, the book of John, chapter 1. What do, you, what do you read? And I've taught this. This is a Christmas sermon I've taught uh, several times. The, the Christmas story according to the book of John. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And if you look at the Greek, great word study in the Greek. It's just God facing God. There. So in some way, we really don't understand Jesus and the Father. They're looking. They're before each other. They're with each other. They're facing each other. It's somehow it's the Jesus facing Jesus. It's the Father facing the Father. Father facing Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you can fully understand that, um, well... You have a higher opinion of yourself than you really are, put it that way. Uh, you know, it's a mystery. The Trinity uh, is a mystery. And so it has something to do, again, there's a little picture of the Trinity there, a wonderful picture of the Trinity there in verse 13. But let's continue. Won't it be great? His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. No terrorists taking over malls. No filibusters. No protests. No lawsuits saying, I don't want under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. It's, it's, uh, someone in Massachusetts has filed that and that's going through the courts now. It's just, Jesus is going to be reigning Verse 15 says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. So when he was in the lion's den, he was just cooling out. He was chilling out. But when he's having these dreams, he's really upset. And as we're going to... He, he's really upset at this Antichrist guy and what this Antichrist guy does, and we'll see this here in a second. That's what is really, really troubling him. Verse 16, I came near to one of those who stood by. Who might that be? An angel? And asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Verse 17, those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. Now, uh, those commentators who believe that arise out of the earth uh, is it's it's this is different than chapter two. Will tell you that uh, the, at least some believe that word arise is clearly speaking of the future. And we know from chapter 2 that part of it did not take place in the future. The head of gold was a present thing. It was Babylon. It was Babylon. It, it, so, you know, I'm not an Aramaic grammar guy, but so I'm just reading what I read. But um, it says, 
again, those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So he asks them, what's all my dream about? And the angels just give him these two verses. And as we'll see right now, it's like, okay, wait, that's all you're going to tell me? I'm sorry. I want more. Verse 19, then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with his feet. And the ten horns that were on its head and the other horns which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words whose appearance was greater than his fellow. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. So that's really what bothered him. It's this picture of What we'll find out is the Antichrist and the Antichrist is going to be prevailing over the saints and this is really bothering him. Because, you know, Daniel knew, he was well familiar with the nation of Israel and and the people of God, the children of God, which who rebel and backslide against the Lord and who start running after pagan gods into pagan temples. He knew about people like that and he was a prophet. He could live with them being judged. But the, the word here is saint, holy one and the, the, really the meaning is these people are people who live zealously for the Lord and it says the Antichrist is prevailing against them. More on that in, 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 in a minute. He says, verse 21, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And so now the angel is going to explain to him more about this fourth beast. Remember, this beast represents that fourth kingdom, the kingdom of out of which the Antichrist would come, the kingdom that's going to dominate uh, planet Earth. Verse 23 says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on Earth, which shall be far different than all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole Earth, trample it, and break it to pieces. So it's clear that this fourth kingdom is going to at the time of the return of Christ is going to really be dominating the other three kingdoms. Verse 24, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. So apparently three of the ten horns, uh, there's going to be ten, this fourth kingdom that are going to have four or ten sub-kingdoms. Is it the European Union? I don't know. But three of these uh, sub-kingdoms are going to say, wait a second, this guy is a nut. And they're going to rebel against him and they're go- those three are going, to be, are going to be crushed. And then in, ver- in a reference to the Antichrist, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, 
and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Ah, so what does all this mean? So in Revelation uh, chapter 12, can we put up the timeline? So in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation and um, also in the book of Daniel, and we've seen this before, we are currently in the present church age. Rapture happens right here. Jesus returns for his church. The Bible says, Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And that's why, among many other arguments for the rapture is, there's, there, it's, it's clear here um, that, and it's clear from the book of Revelation that the Antichrist is going to prevail against the saints, the people of God. It's also clear that during this time that the wrath of God is going to be poured out, this period, the seven years of tribulation, at the beginning of the period, the Bible, and we're going to get into this in, in coming weeks, the Antichrist is going to make peace, a peace with Israel. But just because there's a, a peace treaty with Israel does not mean that the, there's not calamity in the rest of the world. In fact, in Revelation uh, chapter 6, there's just a description of some of the judgment uh, coming on the earth and uh, an enormous amount of people on the earth uh, will be slain. There's going to be the sixth seal. There's a great earthquake. The sun is going to become black and the stars of heaven the fall to the earth and uh, something like a fifth of the people on earth are, are going to be slain, something like that, all in this period. Nevertheless, during this time, the great tribulation, it gets exceedingly worse. And it's in Revelation 15 and 16 that this period is described in the book of Revelation. And it's at that time, and, and, and you can read about it in that time, where just as described in the book of Daniel, there is a war, basically, that's going to break out against every believer in God. And that's described in Revelation uh, 15 and 16. Just a sort of an, an all-out war against the people of God. And that is what is being described here in verse 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, and he shall persecute the saints of the Most High. So, and in, in also in chapter 12, verse 17, it says, the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, all happening in this three-and-a-half-year uh, period. Verse 5 actually describes that three-year period. He was given a, a mouth speaking uh, things of blasphemy, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Uh, and, and, and so um, it was granted, again, this is verse 7 of chapter 13, it was granted to him to make war with the saints 
and to overcome them. So a further indication that the rapture of the church has happened by this time. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But at this time, he's, he's, he's overcome uh, them uh, in the earth. And it says the saints in verse, I'm sorry, I'm switching back and forth to Daniel Revelation, back to Daniel verse 25. It says, the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. That's three and a half years. Time is one year. It's another word for year. Times is dual, D-U-A-L, years, two years, and a half time, three and a half years, referring again to this period here, the great tribulation period. So at this time also, this three and a half year time, it says up in, 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 there in, in the middle of verse 25, and he shall intend to change times and law. You know, what's that about? After the Bolsheviks in, what it was, when did they take over? In 1917, the Soviet Union was started by Lenin. They actually switched the, the, the week to six days. It was crazy. They tried to come up with a six-day week. And you talk about Demonic. It, was, it, it just led to so much calamity, it stopped. But that's the kind of thing that's going to happen in this period. Uh, religious traditions and laws, Christmas, Easter, will be changed. We've gotten a taste of that. New York State, you know, New York State University at Sunnybrook started having classes during all the religious holidays, Jewish and Christians. They also want to start having classes every Sunday. The only reason they, they pushed back was because of what? The unions. Thank God for the unions. <laughs> they came in and said, sorry, man, that's not what our contract says. And, uh, and so, um, but that's a taste. Isn't that scary, by the way? To me, that's really scary. That's a taste uh, 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 of what, uh, is going to happen. And, and you've seen just now B.C. and A.D. has been changed to uh, B.C.E. before the Common Era, and A.D. is now C.E., Common Era. It's the, same, it's the same type of thing. They'll just try to wipe out any vestige of the truth, of Christianity. Do they just want to stamp it out? Let's get under God, out of the Pledge of Allegiance. That's a taste of what you're going to see this time. And then, uh, and then, of course, the reference to an all-out war against Christians. Interesting, these people who have holed themselves up in the mall in, in Nairobi, and we can pray for them tonight. There's six or 70 people have died and like 250 are injured. There still have people hostage. It's an Islamic group from Somalia. I've been following them for a couple of years. They're called the Al-Shabaab. Now, in most Muslim nations, by law by really the law of the Quran, they, minority Christians, even and Jews, have legal rights. As long as you don't try to proselytize, mean pass on your faith, you're allowed to basically, you know, you're allowed to live and, 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 and you're, you're taxed higher and a couple things like that. The difference with this Al-Shabaab group is that they are of the view that every Christian 
should be killed. So they have literally gone throughout Somalia just trying to find any Christian and, and have killed them. Uh, in Pakistan, just yesterday, I think, there was a Taliban-linked militant group called the TTB Jundala, and just blew up a church. 78 Christians died in Pakistan just yesterday. 78 of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Of course, they're reigning glory, but behind they're leaving families that are just completely traumatized right now. But that same group came out with just a press release, we will continue our, on, our attacks on non-Muslims in Pakistani land. That's really different than the traditional approach of an Islamic nation, including Pakistan. Something like 4 or 5% of Pakistan um, are, are Christians, 10% in Egypt or something like that. And, and we're starting to see a taste of what it will be uh, in this period. But verse 26, thank God, but the court shall be seated. So again, this angel is just based more or less, he, he, he's given interpretation of verse 10. The court will be seated, meaning judgment will come. And, the, and they shall take away his dominion. Whose dominion? The Antichrist dominion. To consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel... My thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance was changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Okay, I told you it was a monster. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, and, and we'll be continuing in the ensuing chapters uh, this sweeping view of, of future history um, all culminating in the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. And praise the Lord. We are told that before this time, the church is going to be raptured and taken out of this. But, you know, one of the things this does for me, it just puts and just a really healthy fear of the Lord. He is judge. I mean, the, the power of that verse repeated twice, the court is seated. It's all written up in the books. Sort of the behavior of every human being that's ever lived. And uh, either a man or woman put their faith in Christ promise of the Christ to come for those living prior to Jesus or looking back at the cross, those who lived after. It's just a wonderful thing that although there will be a Bema seat, we'll receive rewards that every sin that we've ever done has been covered by the blood of Jesus. 
And so reading these things should put just a healthy fear in our heart of the Lord and, and also just, just a worship of him. And, and that, you know, the Lord has a, a grand plan. It's more than we com- completely understand, but uh, oh man, does he win in the end.